hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Hey, well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to my house, to this, uh, we're, we're not really filming in the night. I think it's like around noon, um, Friday. So we have been given uh, the task, or I've been given the task, uh, looking at the serving gifts um, in the series that we're in, The Presence of God. And so I would look at them this way. We have mercy, hospitality, help slash service, administration, giving, encouragement slash leadership. And um, again, I'll say this at the end, but if I've, it's all about how we group them or classify them. Um, some some people kind of do speaking gifts and service gifts and prophetic gifts. So, uh, but I want to just start off with my story. I became a Christian in 1995 at a camp, a Christian youth camp called Birch Bay Ranch. The family or the director was this guy named Mike Hinger and his wife, Lori. And they became uh, this, this first family for me, my first Christian family that became mentors for me in my journey with Jesus. Later, after they stepped down from that role, they took on another role to kind of pioneer and plant uh, a lot of CCCs in my life. This was the Community Christian Center. It was an inner city church right in the heart of the downtown of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I was asked, uh, part of my pastoral internship with school, to uh, be a pastoral assistant, to, um, an associate there. And I started working again alongside with Mike and Lori. I really started to see the uh, these, prof- not the prophetic gifts, though that's what they they had as well. But these this gift of service uh, was huge um, when working with marginalized people, disenfranchised people, um, people that are suffering from hurts, habits, and hangups. But even personally for me, uh, I remember Lori calling me up and said, I think just like, hey, how are you eating these days? And I said, well, I'm, I'm eating, she's like, are you eating a lot of Kraft Dinner macaroni? And I said, yes, because that's all I can afford. Um, and she's like, are you able to go home and have meals? And I said, well, not really. It's not the thing that I'm able to do. And and so she, she said, you know what? Once a week, you and I'm going to have a couple other students, you're going to come over to our house and we're just going to cook you a full, like, hot dinner. And I was just just blown away. I was like, yes. And I, and I remember it even to this day, like 20, not just because it's food, but just how when I went over to their house, their house was just warm and inviting and cozy. And I remember, you know, you, you, when you come into a house that's been cooking something, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm, I can't remember what it was. It was either lasagna or like shepherd's pie, but something that was like meaty and good and had been cooking for a while. And there was no uh, eat and go. When I all my meals when I was in college were just literally you ate out of a pot because it saved a dish. Uh, <laughs> with her, like Lori and Mike, just created a space of belonging, of warmth, of comfort, 
it was it was uh, just an amazing no t like time stood still in a way like uh, by the time we left I think it was like 10 o'clock at night and we could easily stayed for more time you know talking about Jesus and about church and about our hopes dreams and desires they and still to this day they're still alive they operate so much in the gifts of service. So if you guys have your Bibles, I'm going to be go back and forth and back and forth from uh, not all the scriptures, but I, I, I want to make sure that I, I do cover some of the main scriptures that cover these gifts. So if you guys have your Bibles, turn to the book of Romans. It's in the New Testament. It's the letter written by Paul to the church um, that is in Rome. And we're going to look at chapter 12, verse 8. And I'm in the English Standard Version. The one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Our first gift that we're going to look at this, this evening is the gift of mercy. Some would say that this would say, and I, and I am a big fan of this, this is the gift of presence. Um, it's very synonymous to the title of this series, where you just have this gifting of just showing up, um, showing up with people, showing up in their drama and trauma. Not be not that you're the savior, that you're kind of rushing in and 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 being the hero, but you are just one of those people that um, that just wants to be able to hear what people are going through. We see this especially in the ministry of Jesus with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Here is a woman, you know, obviously there's some uh, social issues, some family issues, some relationship issues that she's had. And she is drawing water in the heat of the midday. Not when most women would go out in the early cool morning, but here she is. And in the heat of the day, and Jesus breaks so many cultural norms by reaching out to not only a Samaritan, but also a Samaritan woman, and especially a woman that's by herself uh, in the heat of the day in public. But this is what Jesus does. He acts out of mercy. He, he says, you know, people that operate in this gift of mercy have no agenda for themselves. They are highly compassionate. They're highly empathetic people. And we see that in the life of Jesus, especially with the woman at the well. These people can watch uh, a commercial and uh, they can, it can be something about, uh, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or World Vision or just, um, you know, the plight of, of uh, disasters in another country. And within a 30 or even 60 minute, uh, 60 second appeal, they could be crying. It's not because that they're weak. It's just that they probably act out of the gift of mercy. Historically, people like Mother Teresa is a, is a great example of someone that just acted mercifully. And it's, it, was the mother, it was the Mothers of Mercy ministry in Calcutta that she started. There was no big agenda. She was not political. She wasn't trying to use her ministry of mercy to try to um, woo the government. All she wanted to do was to connect with the, the least of these, the, those, those um, 
those untouchables, the lower caste people in the slum streets of Calcutta. So if you operate out of uh, this gift of mercy, you are someone that walks in another person's shoes. That you, you feel the pain and the burdens that they carry. They desire or you desire to make a difference in the lives of hurting people without being judgmental. Um, a friend of mine's dad, uh, well, the guy that I, I ended up helped planting the Forge Church in Victoria, I got to know his dad because he was the senior pastor of the Mustard Seed Street Church in Victoria. Tom Oshiro was, um, he was a force to be reckoned with, um, but I would, uh, in so many good ways, he was an advocate for social justice, uh, for food security, for family center, for men in addiction. But I remember this one story. Um, it was shared at his memorial. I, there was a guy that would come to him every single day or every time he saw Tom. Tom was one of these pastors where all the other offices in the church were like uh, behind a locked door and, you know, in another part of the building. His office was always still like where it was always for the whole time. Like it was right in the midst of uh, the chaos, like where everyone was lining up for food. His office was like right on the main floor. This guy would knock on his door or see Tom and, and say, hey, Tom, can I borrow five bucks? This guy was probably living rough. He was probably homeless. And he was just a friend of the seed. That's what we just call him. He was just one of our street friends. And uh, Tom would always keep uh, like a bundle or, a, you know, a five or six, you know, $5 bills in his pocket because he knew that this guy, well, this was his point of contact with this guy. He had an opportunity to mercifully connect with him, share with him, share with him about the love of Jesus, and then give him $5. Someone actually came up to him at one point and said, why do you keep like giving this guy five bucks. You don't know what he's spending it on. It's probably booze or cigarettes. And, and I remember Tom was like, it doesn't matter what he uses the money for. The point is that he, I'm safe. I'm able, he's able to come to me. And in that, that moment, I, I can just, I can hear his story. I can understand his plight. And it's that merciful, merciful approach, that mercy seed that he has with this guy that's what people rem are reminded of Tom when we were uh, at his memorial. It's those stories. Yeah, he also did all these amazing, you know, builds and, you know, he was able to build a, a recovery center and this. Uh, but it's those story, those mercy stories that people, even for me right now, I almost get choked up. That's the kind of pastor I want to be as well. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have the gift of mercy. Let's look at the gift of hospitality. If you guys have your Bibles, turn a little bit just in the same package uh, with Romans 12, same passage and verse 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. If you go back into the Old Testament, let's look at Proverbs 27:10. It says, do not forsake your friend and your father's friend and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Hospitality is the ability to welcome strangers and entertain guests in your home, 
and it it is just the source of great joy um, that you you get to do this. You are um, if you are the uh, the the cook, the barbecue pit master, the baker, the event planner. You're the um, <clears throat> after party guy. You're the uh, staff appreciation person. You look. You get energized by looking at ways to uh, have hospitality for other people. Uh, you, this is this just gets you so excited. Mark Driscoll talks a little bit about this in the idea of how there's three types of homes. The first one he talks about is the closed home. The second one is the random home. And the last one is the open home. If you are a person that have gift of hospitality, you'll, you'll recognize which, which kind of home you have. So the first one is he talks about is the closed home. This is a, uh, a, a button-up, pretty strict, uh, you kind of need to book in advance. So like if you grew up in a, in a closed home, you knew that uh, you know, dinner was at 6 o'clock. And, um, you know, when it came to weekend stuff, it was always just you and your family. If there was ever going to be like someone coming over, you could pretty much count on two hands the amount of special gifts, guests you had at your house. And it was a big deal. Like, hey, Uncle, Uncle Jerry is going to come over in three weeks and, and or it's, we're going to have Christmas. And it's like this really special time. It's, 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 it's a pretty... But it's pretty strict. It's pretty like pretty conservative. The random house is the complete pendulum swing. It's a super hyper fluid um, people in and out <coughs> at any time. Uh, you know, it's almost like uh, how did you get a key kind of mentality? Like uh, you come down to your your kitchen and you see someone that you don't know sitting in your kitchen having coffee. It's that kind of random house. There's very little boundaries with space and privacy. And if you grew up that way, kind of like it was a um, kind of a residency hall, kind of hostile kind of situation. And I know people that grew up that way, um, you know, now and now they almost in their adult life, they have closed homes. But here's the open home. It's like random, but it's flexible, but it has definable boundaries of time, space, and privacy. Good friend of mine, uh, Pastor Tim Dickow in uh, Grandview Calvary Chapel in Vancouver, um, his, his, his way of putting it is this, that he has a bit of an open home, but he kind of layers it this way. He has public spaces, um, private spaces, and then sacred spaces. So you could be super hospitable, have the gift of hospitality, and, and your house and your, say, your living room, your kitchen is kind of those public spaces. People can kind of ebb and flow. You have meetings there, you know, study groups, uh, tutoring, whatever. Private was areas like um, the upstairs, like, you know, bathrooms upstairs. There was a study. There was uh, bedrooms. And then the sacred space was their private bedroom. So when they uh, felt like, you know, like they, need, could, they could have some more closed home time, they would just have to go to the room. And that was only just for them. Their kids were, not, were never allowed into the room unless by invitation. So hospitality is uh, so important. 
Let me tell you about a story about Edith and Francis Schaeffer. You know, if you know Francis Schaeffer, the prolific writer, the American theologian that married this woman that had, Edith had the gift of hospitality. In 1948, the Schaeffer family then moved to Switzerland and in 1955 established the community called Labri, which in French means shelter. Serving as both philosophy seminar and spiritual community, Labri attracted thousands of young people and was later expanded into Sweden, France, Netherlands, Canada, United Kingdom, and later in the United States. What was great about this, this marriage was Francis, um, he wasn't super hospitable. He, was, he operated in the gifts of, of teaching and preaching uh, and encouragement. Um, but Edith was the hospitality, like, to the max. So when they opened up Labrie, there would be, like, like, like I said, hundreds if not thousands of people coming in at one point. She would have beds made, tables, everything laid out exactly the way, uh, you know, it was to serve a community. And then as they felt that love and care and the, that safety and, the, and it was cozy for them, then they would walk into these these lectures with Francis and all these hip. Most of them were like you know at the time in the fifties and sixties. You know these kind of hippies like just coming out of World War Two. A lot of these guys were are are getting saved and becoming now the leaders of the church in all these other countries. So pretty pretty amazing that even though you know Edith was the um, the hospitality um, gift. You know, Francis didn't have to be. He just married into that. And you just need to know your spouse and the partner that you have, that if that's who you married, then um, you're going to have to have some compromise. And again, the, the, the Schaefer family was just that. Sorry if I'm going too quick, but I have a few gifts to cover. So the next one, if you have your Bibles, um, we're looking at the gifts of helps and or service. Depending on how you're... Bible translation just has it written. Sometimes it'll be written as helps or service. But in the English Standard Version, if you look at Romans 12, verse 7, it says this, If service, and so in the ESV it's service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 28. It says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. So even in the ESV, they, they use both service and helps. So the gift of helps and service is the ability to, again, joyfully work alongside others and help them complete the task God has given them. People with the gift of helps or service Man, do they love to work behind the scenes. Um, they, they also tend to find joy in alleviating the burdens and the responsibilities of others. The gift is usually kind of coupled or accompanied with this attitude of humility and sacrifice. And this amazing gift to perceive the needs of other people. Um, great biblical... Uh, idea or image of this is after a very long day of serving, um, very typical to uh, areas in Israel and Palestine, 
even to this day, you one of the practices that you would do is you come in and uh, you would uh, you take off your sandals and you would wash your feet because it was it wasn't um, kosher. It wasn't good as, in relationship to sit down at a at a, a well prepared table or banquet with with dirty feet after a long day of working. So what the what would happen is that you would you would wash your feet. And um, when the disciples showed up, uh, you know, they were trying to figure out like, oh, who's going to do all this, this task. And immediately Jesus takes a towel, puts it on around his shoulder. And he says, uh, and he starts to, to, to wash his feet, wash all 12 disciples, including Judas's feet. So just again, this idea that it doesn't have to be a really big, big thing. There's no, um, you know, title or, or acclamation. Jesus just rucked up and just got on with it and, and served uh, his disciples. Uh, and uh, it was just a great, a great example. These are people that have the gift of helps uh, and service. They say, they say to me uh, or say to you, hey, how can I help? Not they'll go, not, not that they don't preface it going, I have these very specific gifts. I remember this one woman saying, look, I know how to teach and preach and do Bible studies. So I would like to, I would like to put on a Bible study for adults. Well, that's not really asking me how to help. That's really telling me what you're good at and you offering a very specific thing. People that have the gifts of helps and service are people that say, put me in coach wherever. You know, I'm, I want to just serve. And they, again, they'll be so happy just staying in the in the background. And you probably know people, even now, you just think about it, uh, people even in this church that they, even trying to put them up in the limelight, they're, they're like, oh, I don't want to do this. But they work week after week in the background doing amazing work. These, um, so put it this way, let, let's ask this question. Say first, you, this is a good acid test if you have the gifts. If you see something done poorly or it, it hasn't been done well or you see something and someone's obviously struggling and it, it didn't really go the way that they're wanting to go, are you the person that immediately criticizes that and go, man, that's this, 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 and this wrong? A person that has the gifts of help and service, they're the ones that say, hey, man, how can I help you? How can I... How can I, you know, come under you and, and again, alleviate some of the burdens and responsibilities so you could do this again and it would succeed? These folks don't care about roles. They don't care about titles. I would say one warning, uh, a little caution for these people is you need to learn the ability and the power of the word no. Uh, sometimes uh, these people will just immediately say yes, 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 and burn out. Say yes to the things that God is energizing you about and have the ability to say no or no, not at this time. Um, another couple in my church that I just came from, George and Doris uh, from Nelson. You know, I, I had it in this idea. One of the things that needed to get done in our church um, was we needed to redo our floor. Our floor hadn't been touched for such a long time. It was an interesting uh, floor. It was uh, made out of cork. And um, I researched what needed to get done. We needed to get a floor sander. And then once we leveled the floor and sanded it, we would have to then, um, then clean it and wipe everything down and then put a special sealant over it. So I uh, had, you know, kind of canvassed the church 
Um, someone in our church uh, actually came in acquisition of a sander. He he does uh, small engine repair and and just recently, you know, the guy couldn't pay for something, so he gave uh, this guy in our church a floor sander. So all of a sudden, we had a floor sander, all the pads, the, everything, and all it was just was labor. So I got to work uh, one Saturday and started moving all the pews out of the way and, you know, putting the green painter's tape on, on around the edges. And George and Doris showed up. And not just one hour, but they spent the entire day helping me sand the cork floor at First Baptist Church. And not to, to shame or guilt anyone else, but they didn't want any titles. They didn't want me to say, hey, great job, George and Doris, like the next Sunday. They just came and just got it done. And they saw the project all the way to the end. They helped me sand it, they helped me clean it, and then they helped me finish it. And it was an amazing job. And George and Doris, if you're watching again, thank you. <laughs> thank you for operating and obeying God in the gifts of helps and service for the kingdom, for, for, for Christ's sake. Thank you so much. When we were moving out of Nelson, we had to move all of our equipment out of our house into a truck and then to a storage locker just outside of Vancouver. And when we finally got the visas to come to New Zealand, we had to then move all of our stuff out of a storage locker onto another truck so then it could go and be shipped on a, on a boat here. We needed help. It was just the four of us. And believe it or not, Doris was visiting family in the area. She saw that we were needing help on Facebook and said, I'm there. And she spent, uh, she didn't have to, she, she drove all the way to where our storage locker was. And she spent the whole time blood, sweat, and a lot of sweat and um, helped us move all those thousands of pounds of stuff into the truck. And again, no one knew about it. She didn't. She didn't want any kind of title. Uh, she just operated in her gifts of helps and service. Administration is our next gift. First Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, it says this, But all things should be done decently and in order. Administration is the God-given ability to give direction and make decisions on behalf of others that result in efficient operation and accomplishment of goals. Administration includes the ability to organize people, things, information, finances, etc. Often the mark of an administrator is the ability to accomplish things in a fitting and orderly way. That's the First Corinthians text. These administrators... They, again, they sew things up tight. They, they, they keep things on the straight and narrow. They're, they, they look at not only the bigger picture, kind of like that, that telescope, telescopic kind of look, but they also look at the microscope going, how is this budget going to affect our future? Um, they love working with uh, like budgets and policies and, and stewardship initiatives. They're the kind of people that you need to have on a, on a team that will, will ask the hard questions. I remember having a couple of these guys on teams before and we'd be ready to go, ready to go just about to launch and do this new initiative. And they would kind of sheepishly put up their hand and, and part of me would be like, oh, no, what, like, what did we forget? And then they put up their hand and go, 
has anyone talked to the lawyer about the legality of this? Or has anyone looked at, uh, do we need to contact the city council and make sure that they know that we are doing that? And I just w didn't think of it. It was like, oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. If someone you know, was to call or inquire, we don't have insurance for this. And so immediately they got on the phone and by the end of the night, we had it all sorted. So you, this is just as spiritual as the gift of helps or a gift of mercy, the gift of prophecy, just as spiritual. You know, I just, I never want to get into a place where you're like, oh, you have the gift of administration. Oh, yeah, sucks to be you. No, we don't say that. We, we, we don't say that, oh, I'm sorry you got, you know, one of the lower gifts. None of them are lower. Just like the body, like eyes, ears, nose, like we need every part to work so that it, the whole body can be in the best form. So if you have the gift of administration, God loves you, God, and, and I need you for the kingdoms, for kingdom purposes. So um, just another warning with gifts of administration is it, if you, little, a little too much can become toxic. So if you are trying to keep everything on the straight and narrow, you could lose focus on like the gospel, you could lose focus on kingdom things and get to the point of just trying to control the the flow of the ship, the the, and to the point where you're losing the sense of why are we doing what we're doing. Another great example was the the moderator slash treasurer slash uh, executive director of our children's center back in Nelson, Dorothy Westnedge. She oversaw. Uh, it seemed like everything at First Baptist Church. And and if you saw her desk, you her desks, plural, um, you would know why. Because she had a, a place, a binder for everything. But at the end of the day, um, I could ask her a question about um, something that happened 20 years ago. I could ask her about how the staff are doing downstairs with the kids. I could talk about, um, you know, what's the temperature um, at the hot, um, the hot water tap downstairs. Cause you know, licensing will have to check and it has to be in within that margin. She'll be able to tell me. And so the, she, she is a vital piece to the flow of ministry, um, or the organization of anything. So you need people that have the gift of administration and time for tea break. Okay, everyone take a deep breath. <sighs> okay, gifts of giving. Look at Romans 12, 8 again. The one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity. Generous giving. You know, God loves a, a cheerful and, and, and a giving giver. So regardless of the amount, people with this gift genuinely view their treasures, talents, and time. Notice it's not just about money. You know, I think sometimes we get hung up on giving as just money. Hear that out again. It's treasures, talents, and time as on loan from God and not their own. So they immediately, people that have the gift of giving recognize like what they have is not really theirs. It's just on a loan basis from God. They are often moved um, to meet physical needs of others. They, they, again, joyful. The key word of all these gifts is they take joy 
from giving. They love to give from themselves to what and whatever they have to other people. Um, even if they don't even possess the resources to help, they will then pray earnestly for those resources. And when they get them, they're so quick to share. So um, they're the kind of, this is their mentality. Um, who, who can we share this with? I remember uh, a couple of people have that, this gift. They, you know, they go to a restaurant and, um, you know, they immediately going, you know, who would like this restaurant? Um, you know, George, George and Doris or Adam and Leah, like they would be like, and, and they would go to the nth degree going, let's buy them a gift card for, for so that they can check out this place too. They're so, they're always, they're always buying two and give, and giving one away kind of mentality. Um, these are the kind of people where um, they will buy uh, guitars for worship leaders, computers for pastoral families, or air miles for pastors to go on uh, their conferences. That was me, if you didn't get it. But let me give you an example. Robert Gilmore Letourneau. Letourneau was this American guy from Vermont. He's a prolific inventor. He had over like 300 different patents. But he was a big, um, you know, earth-moving machinery kind of guy. But he loved Jesus. Not that he loved it, but that was he was more known by what he gave away. He uh, he got to the point where he he looked at his giving at ten percent tithes was not the threshold, but it was the the basement. At the basement was ten percent, and he continually would just give more and more and more. He was noted to the point where he would start. He was starting up um, orphanages and schools in Peru and. And, and to this day, he got to the point where he had reversed his tithe, that he was giving away 90% of his income and just living off the 10%. Here's a guy that is, is known, even to this day, of the Laterno schools and colleges, um, that, that he, he, he knew that all this stuff that he was given was on loan from God. So if you have been given... Um, by the grace of God, a job or funds or the ability to create funds, or you're, you're just really good with money. Um, maybe God is giving you the gift of giving. Now you look for amazing opportunities to, to give and seed uh, for kingdom purposes. So we, 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 you are very much in the, the kingdom uh, ministry for the church. Let's look at the next one. Uh, I kind of lump these two together. Um, you can't, I'll separate them, but encouragement and um, slash leadership. Again, Romans 12, 8. It says, the one who leads with zeal and the one who acts in mercy with cheerfulness, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. So the gift of encouragement or this gift of ex exhortation is involves motivating, encouraging consoling others so that they have maturity in their walk with Jesus. Um, to encourage someone is literally to encourage them, to strengthen them in their walk, no matter where they're at. So um, a good encourager would be someone that, like, like a coach for a sports team. They're on the sideline, co constantly cheering them on. It's, or it's, uh, it's your corner um, corner coach in boxing, he's in your corner. He's there, like you know, he's he's constantly feeding and giving you courage to go one more round. 
the general makeup of the of these types of people is Christians with this gift have unusual sensitivity for and attracted to those who are discouraged or they're struggling. They're just they're, they they you can see where these encouragers they gravitate to those that are really struggling going through the hard stuff, and because of that, people tend to pursue them for healing words, gracious truth, and and sometimes compassionate counsel. These people are tend to have a high degree of patience and optimism. Uh, a lot of times you'd see people that have the gift of encouragement connected with mercy. So it's you can have a lot of these things, a lot of these service gifts are kind of working in tandem. You could have the gift of, of helps, you could have the gift of mercy, and you could have the gift of encouragement all kind of operating all in one situation. Um, so for me... So I have the gift of encouragement. Um, I had a guy come in a few weeks ago, and he um, it was the I think it was a Monday, a couple of Mondays ago when we had that really bad rain. I uh, came in, and he had just been kicked out of his house after six years of marriage. His his wife was like, um, "I'm done with you," and so they they split up. And Mike came into the office, and he was he looked like a drowned rat, and um, he was cold, he's shivering, and so in that moment, I was just. I was able to encourage him. I was merciful to him. I was helping him. I was serving him. I was hospitable. We got him a cup of coffee, you know, got him um, connected to the, to the mission. And in that span of about an hour, all my service gifts were just completely at 100%. And later that week, he came with a friend from the mission, and he's, he's on a road to recovery now. So, you know, there, there's a really great example of, of the gift encouragement. Leadership, um, the spiritual gift of leadership is found in people that have a clear, significant vision from God and are able to communicate it publicly and privately in such a way that they can influence, or sometimes we call woo, uh, others to pursue that vision. Um, they are sometimes what we like to call kind of the point people in ministry. Um, others tend to have trust and confidence in their abilities. Um, they find themselves leading the team. We see this from the military with platoon sergeants or captains in the army uh, to CEOs and companies, pastors of a church, say the lead doctor in a trauma ER, or you know, again, captain of a sports team. These leaders have these summit-like experiences where they can see great vision or, or promise or direction, but then they come down into those valleys with where, where their people are, and their job is to uh, bring them onto that vision, to catch that vision, and to see them um, move that same direction. You can be a merciful leader such as, like we said, with Martha Teresa. You could be a giving leader like Laterno. You could be an administrative leader like some of, the, um, some of my friends that have been uh, executive pastors in large churches. And, you, and no matter what kind of type of leader you are, I've always said to my staff, um, you should have these three things, these three keys, is you should be humble, you should be teachable, and you need to be leadable. I know that's not really an English word, but let's unpack it. Leaders need to lead, um, and leaders need to be led. In other words, sometimes you, you're always learning more about yourself. 
maybe that kind of ties into being teachable. But this, I've seen too many leaders just kind of wait for others to lead and then they, they just kind of grab a hold of whatever they're doing. But those leaders that have that summit, that, that moment of going, here's what I think we're supposed to do, they can make those kind of big executable decisions, those executive decisions saying, here's what we need to do. I call it, you know, leaders also land. They, they can land on an opinion. They can land on a, on, on a path on where they're supposed to take their team. Well, that's just some of the gifts of service. And you're probably sitting there going, well, what about this? Or what? It really, again, it comes back down to like how you classify, you know, what are speaking gifts or prophetic gifts. And if I've missed one, feel free to give me a ring or a chat and say, hey, what about this gift? But depending, uh, depending on what it is, one thing I would say is um, you need to guard these gifts um, with humility. <laughs> because with every single gift, and I gave some warnings, um, they can get pretty ugly um, if, it, if they become sinful. Um, if they, they can be destructive. They, could be, uh, they can create friction and fraction in groups. Um, and they can become toxic and to the point uh, where they can be, they can taint the whole thing. So we always need to be in a posture of humility with all of these gifts, seeking from God with our motives. Uh, I love that you know the Davidic prayer that that David has is you know seek me and know me, know any kind of offense in me. So we need to always be on that kind of inventory with Jesus, saying, you know. Uh, you know, in my serving, in my helps, in my hospitality, is this really self-serving? Uh, is it about myself? Is it self-formation? Is it like I'm trying to be something that I'm not? Um, and and always be on that place of contrition, um, so that we, when when we have these gifts of service, they come from a good, clean, and pure heart motive. Well, that's it, folks. I think I don't know what my time is, but. God bless you. I'm going to give some discussion questions um, when you guys scan your QR code uh, for you guys to talk with uh, yourselves or talk to with uh, when you guys do your Zoom. But uh, God bless you. And um, may, yeah, may you enjoy the rest of this, this time together um, and the rest of this series. Okay, bless you. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.